I just wanted to begin, uh, as we begin this series, uh, which is going to be looking at God's church over six weeks, we're going to be looking at God's church. How are you going with church? (laughs) That is, how, how do you feel about this thing that you're doing on right now for this 90 minutes and then maybe a bit longer, a bit shorter, depending if you're lucky, you know, we'll be 90 minutes and then we've got a midweek thing that we do with growth groups. How are you feeling about it? If you can kind of imagine how you're feeling about walking in the gate just a bit earlier, what was going through your mind? Were you kind of just trying to put out of your mind all the things that you had on your mind before you went and trying to get yourself in the zone? Were you coming in uh, as a sense of duty, obligation? Did you feel a sense of optimism and excitement about coming? That's, That's one thing about how we're feeling this morning. Uh, What about when you read about the church? Uh, This week, if you've been following the Herald, uh, there's been a few back-and-forth articles about uh, the Anglican Synod in Sydney. And without going into all the details, I just wanted to say that the the first article about uh, what was reported was very uh, inaccurately reported uh, about uh, the Archbishop's presidential address. Uh, I would recommend you have a read of the address itself on the Sydney Anglicans uh, website. Uh, But I don't know about you, but when I hear uh, the church mentioned in the wider media, I can get a bit flat. When you read comment sections on those kind of articles, it can be even more disheartening. Uh, The attitude of Australians can sometimes be just stacked against this thing that we call church. I don't know about you, how are you feeling about church? Do you feel like it's something that is competing with a whole bunch of other things for your time? Or do you feel like it's got its own time that doesn't really compete with other things? Do you feel like it's something that you do because it's like eating your broccoli, you know you should, but you don't like it? (laughs) How are you feeling about church? What are the kind of things that will cause you to not be here? What does that reveal about what you think about the priorities in life? I'm not, this is not a, a judgment. I'm just saying we all, you know, we all have things that we, that, that come up from time to time. What are the kinds of things that draw you away from gathering with God's people? Well, uh, we're going to begin just thinking a little bit about where we're at as a, uh, as a country, basically with God. That is, 55% of Australians, according to recent research, still will claim to believe in God. One in six Australians attend church on a Sunday. It's higher than I actually would have expected. And when I read that, I was thinking, that's a bit high. But apparently, more Australians will attend a church service in a calendar year than a professional sporting event in a calendar year. Doesn't include everyone up at netball on a Saturday or something. That's very different. Uh, locally in North Taramara, according to the 2016 census, there are 1,142 people who identify as Anglican living in this suburb. We're supposed to be the Anglican church in North Taramara. <laughs> um, and that, apparently that number hasn't changed much since 2011, since the last the census before. 
There has been a big change in the no religion category. 25% of people now in North Taramara explicitly will say that they don't have any faith or religion. That's up from about 10 to 15% in 2011. So it's a big jump. But there's this disconnect, I think, in the statistics. So unless there's 500 to 1,000 cars on the road on a Sunday morning in North Taramara carrying North Taramara Anglicans to another Anglican church other than ours, there are a lot of people in this suburb where there's a huge disconnect between religious affiliation, in this case, Anglican denomination, and church attendance and membership. You might have heard the old uh, cliched thing that, well, I, I heard it when I grew up, you know, going to church uh, doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, or the, whatever version of the, um, the analogy. You might have heard that. So going to church doesn't make you a Christian just by turning up to a church building. Uh, and so what's happened since that kind of saying has uh, become popular or that kind of uh, principle, since the 70s, the opposite has become true, that I can be a Christian without going to church. Uh, I can have my relationship with God as a private thing that I just try to live out privately in my life and my context. And that, that view has become quite popular. It's kind of a middle ground between not denying a faith, but not being part of what we might call the institutional church, and coming along uh, and being committed to a body of people we prefer to have. It's me and God and my spirituality and, and that's it. And the relationships that I just happen to be in. That's what it means to be a person of faith. We're going to think about what does uh, God's word, which we as a church uh, put as our top ultimate authority on all matters of faith and life, what does it say about this thing that we call church? Well, today it's going to be a bit of an introduction. What does the word church mean? Does anyone want to have a guess if they know what the word church means? If you've heard it in a previous talk, anyone? Church? Assembly, yes. And we are in the assembly hall, thanks Ruth. We are in the assembly hall, so it's very appropriate. The word church means assembly or gathering. Uh, it means, uh, it, the word is not a particular particularly religious words, so you could call the Legislative Council and the Legislative Church in the New South Wales Parliament, means gathering or assembly. So you read in Acts chapter 19, the word ecclesia, which is the word translated as church uh, in our New Testament, which means assembly. We see that word is also attached to uh, a riot that is happening in Ephesus. Uh, We also see it's attached to a legal assembly or gathering, so there's the word pops up in a whole bunch of places, but today the word church has fairly been associated with this thing that we are interested in, the particular kind of gathering that God is concerned about. And what we find, not just looking for the word ecclesia or gathering, but when we trace through the whole Bible and look at what does the Bible say about God's people gathering, what do we notice? Well, what we find out is that God, fundamental to his character... God is a God who gathers. He gathers and assembles his people. He's a gathering God. God is very interested in churching or assembling his people. In fact, being scattered or disassembled or, or 
was actually a sign of punishment for God's people uh, in the Old Testament, and gathering them was a sign of the blessing. So think of Adam and Eve gathered with God in the garden, and then the sin is, and the result is, a scattering away from God. Think of uh, Noah, the story of Noah. God gathers Noah and his family into the ark. That's a sign of God's blessing. Think of uh, the, nat- uh, the nation of Israel, taken out of slavery in Egypt, gathered, first of all in the desert, then on their way to the promised land as God's people, as a sign of blessing. When Israel uh, go into sin and their leadership becomes corrupt, what happens? They go into exile. They're scattered again. When you think of church, what do you think of? Do you think of what we're doing this morning as a blessing, a sign of God's blessing? Or do you think of the, what we're doing here as a bit of a chore, maybe listening to these sermons if they're over a certain length? can feel like <laughs> it's a tough time. It's not a blessing, it's a duty. Being church as we see in the New Testament, is indeed a sign of God's blessing. It's actually a statement of who we are, gathering as God's people. The more we come to know Jesus and what he has done for us and our future, the more we will see church being the blessing rather than the curse We spend most of our week as people scattered, God's people scattered, whether it's at work or with our friends. Sometimes we think getting scattered, and and I can understand that, getting on the bike and having a bit of time or a bush walk or something like that, just with you and God in nature is a blessing, and of course it is. But if you trace where the Bible is going... The Bible is heading towards the ultimate reality being his people gathered for eternity. It won't be in a room like this, hopefully, (laughs) Uh, but it will be a gathering, introverts and extroverts. (laughs) You'll have your time out, you'll have your time for you to, but if you're the person who thinks that a relationship with God is all about you and God and his world, You've missed the fact that God is the gathering God. And that's where history is heading. But to answer this question, what is church, which is what we're beginning with today, and you'll probably be frustrated because there's a lot of unanswered questions we're going to be looking at over the weeks ahead. I want us to dig a little bit deeper than just simply defining the word and how it's used uh, in the Bible. For most of this series, we're going to be looking at these chapters in uh, Hebrews. And so I wanted to just spend a few moments looking at this uh, uh, chapter uh, 12, which was read out a few moments ago by Shirley. We're going to be coming back to parts of this chapter in weeks to come, so don't worry if we don't go into all of it. But just just a bit of context with the letter to Hebrews. We don't know who the author is. Uh, It was somebody in the apostolic band. Uh, But the audience, as the name suggests, was a group of largely Jewish Christians, And the big pastoral concern for the author is that they're being tempted to go back into the familiarity and the safety of their religious structures of Judaism, the old way of doing things. Uh, In the Roman Empire, uh, Judaism was a much more respected religious structure to be part of than this new sect called Christianity that follows this 
Jesus of Nazareth, this Christ person. So it was much more straightforward to be a Jew and to be part of the, the Israelite structure of religion than it would have been to be a Christian. Strangely enough, it's, without drawing the analogy too far, it's, kind of much more, it's much easier for us to say we're Anglican in North Tamara than to say, oh, I'm a Scientologist, you know? You wait to see the reactions. You know, there's, Anglican's kind of part of our history uh, uh, as, as Australians, but, but there's some things where, oh, I don't, you know. So don't draw the analogy too far. I'm not comparing things with Scientology. But you know, the, 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 the Christianity was this seen as this sect, this breakaway sect, this movement. And so the author is at pains to teach these new Christians not only about the dangers of going back to their previous way of doing things, and there are a lot of warnings there, we're going to see one in a a few moments, but just how much better the new covenant, the new way of things is in Christ. So, uh, have a look there. If you go back a few verses to verse 15 of chapter 12, there's this warning that that their readers might actually miss out on the grace of God. Hebrews is full of these uh, warnings. It's one of the features of the book. And, and if you've been uh, re- uh, familiar with the rest of the New Testament, that there are, there's some real sharp, uh, pointy bits in, in, in this letter because you feel like, hang on a second, can I fall away? Can Christians fall away? I thought we couldn't. I thought we're secure. I thought... Now, the point of this letter, I think, is actually to continually warn the readers not to fall away, not to go back. It's like, about, it's like the five warning signs you get before a speeding camera, you know? <laughs> now, here we have this example in verse 15 of this warning, and the writer uses the example of Esau in the Old Testament, the readers would have been familiar with, who, for a bowl of yummy, tasty soup, uh, went for his short-term needs and his hunger... He sold out that instead of his inheritance. So he went for his physical needs in the moment rather than the reality of who he was and what he stood to inherit. The warning here is clear, I think, from the author. Get some perspective, readers. Get some perspective. Don't be driven by your short-term desires and cravings and sacrifice what you have, what you've been given, what you're promised, your future. And so what he does, the author contrasts, he looks at the way that God gathers by contrasting what they're tempted to go back towards to what the current present reality is and the future reality. So verse 18, uh, the author talks about their past reality. And just look at the characteristics of it. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, to gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast... Or to such a voice are speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. I'm not sure if we'd use these kind of words on our website to promote our church. <laughs> we are the church of darkness, gloom and storm, you know. <laughs> burning with fire. Do you see what marks out this kind of gathering? Fear? 
distance, lack of intimacy, very impersonal, doom and gloom. And sadly, if this might be your situation or for people you might know, you'll hear many stories of people who, when they think of church, either through horrific acts of uh, abuse and evil, all they can think about is fear and gloom and darkness. Or they might think of, or a much more mundane example, maybe through the, 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 the banal, boring experience, the mind-sapping experience of maybe a school chapel service they couldn't relate to. Maybe they're feeling, you know, church is doom, gloom, darkness, never stepping foot in another church again. Um, we, uh, with this parents band that I'm a part of, um, we, we rehearse here, um, we, we were rehearsing here every now and then on a Sunday afternoon with, and, um, and from time to time we needed to, we needed an extra microphone. So I, I'd use my pastor privileges and use one of the BHAC microphones and, um, we'd, we'd rehearse and pack up and one time I was packing up and one of the members of the band was helping me pack up and it was just the two of us as everyone else had to go and we're putting the microphones away and, and I, there I am sort of loading stuff into the BHAC um, storage cupboard if you know about that just in the, it's the, the school cleaning cupboard cleaning room uh, and this band member who we hadn't really talked much about church he knew I was passing here but he he was helping me bring stuff in and he got to <laughs> He got to the, um, to, the, to the entranceway of where we store everything and he kind of stopped <laughs> and he felt like he was being irreverent to step over the... <laughs> and he said, he was kind of passing me the, <laughs> passing me the microphone stand. I said, here's Brick come in there and he's like, are you sure? Are you sure it's okay? I mean, is, it, I mean, is this all right? And I'm going, what? It's cleaning? What? <laughs> now, I, don't, I found out later from other conversations that this particular person's had a history with church where there is doom, gloom, don't touch, don't go here. He, and so he's at him, out of respect for me, was trying to kind of just not do anything wrong, not going to holy of holies in the cleaning cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that just sad? Like, I, I didn't, I just didn't know where to, I, I didn't, I didn't want to poke fun of him because I'm thinking this is a real thing. Like I, I, in, inside, I'm laughing and I'm thinking this is. But then it's so sad, isn't it? That people. It's not just that church is um, maybe irrelevant for some people. It's it's further down. The, it's like like it's this thing that is can be associated with doom, gloom, fear, guilt not being worthy. And it's a tragedy. This isn't what church is. What is church? Verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, 
Now, before we read on, if you just left it at that verse, you could kind of understand my possible band members' concerns. If, 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 if church is about, you come in here, or whatever it is, a church building, and you open yourself up to being judged by God. Well, if we read on, we see that God is a God of judgment, but church is about gathering in the name of Jesus, verse 24, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. I love that last sentence. Sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, the blood of Abel, going back to the story of Cain and Abel, the blood of Abel cried out for vengeance and retribution and justice for the sake of Cain. Abel was murdered by his uh, brother Cain and the blood of Abel cries out for punishment to happen. What does the blood of Jesus cry out? For forgiveness and grace, a fresh start. So do you see that Jesus is shouting out, his blood is shouting out a better word than the blood of Abel, of grace, forgiveness, a new start. So as we begin this series, uh, how do you think of church? There are two ways, the New Testament, only two ways that the New Testament uses the word ecclesia to talk about the Christian church. One is to do with the local gathering of Christians, which is what we call church now. The other is to do with the heavenly gathering. So the heavenly gathering is where we are spiritually and Christ is physically the local gathering is where we are physically and Christ is spiritually. And what we look forward to is the two are coming together. The two are coming together where we are there physically and spiritually together for eternity. So this little thing that we're doing together is profoundly significant. It's a snapshot of a, a, a spiritual eternal reality. I'm just going to give us a moment now just to come before God in prayer. And maybe whatever you thought of when I said the word church, a word might have come up, even if it was a negative emotion that only you and God know. Why don't you bring anything that you would like God to help you with in regards to church, to his gathering before him. And then I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. Let's just take a moment now to come before God in the quietness of your own hearts.